Hello, my name is Nicola Harkin and I'm IBEX Head of Employment Law Services. If you're listening to this podcast, you might be interested in IBEX Employment Law Conference to be held on the 20th of April in the new Royal Dublin Convention Centre. On the day, you will hear from IBEX experts on all the recent changes to employment law in Ireland. Things including statutory sick pay, probation, work-life balance, whistleblowing and more. So if you're interested in attending, please click on the link on the episode page and we look forward to seeing you there. Welcome to KC Connect podcast, brought to you by IBEX Employer Relations Team. Across this series of short episodes, we will provide insight and expertise on some of the most common challenges for our members and discuss the case law shaping the employer relations landscape. My name is Kevin Feary and I'm the Regional Director in the IBEC West office. And my name is Ashley McDevitt. I'm an Employer Relations Executive at IBEC West. For the next 10 minutes or so, we will discuss probationary periods in the context of the EU Directive on Transparent and Predictable Working Conditions. Ashley, as many of our listeners will be aware, a new EU Directive came into effect in August of last year, which contained certain provisions concerning probation. Mm. Member states are now required to introduce legislation which will set a maximum time limit on probationary periods. And under this directive, probationary periods must be a reasonable duration. Member states are required to limit the circumstances in which probationary periods can be extended also. Yeah, and look, I think one thing that is really positive is that under that directive, the you know it, it really does recognise that there are certain circumstances that would warrant the extension of a probationary period. Um, And, you know, it also does really recognise that, you know, there are, uh, that it's important for an employer to be able to assess the suitability of a worker for the task in question. But there are provisions in that directive and in the statutory instrument imposing it that employers should be aware of. So we'll, we'll go through that, as you said. Yeah, a lot of employers will have been aware of the directive. However, it wasn't until I think the 16th of December last year when we got sight of the Irish national regulations transposing this directive into Irish law. Why was this legislation necessary? So to provide clarity, I suppose, as to how the directive will work within our own legal framework. So as you said, member states were, you know, through the directive, um, were aware that they had to um, put in place a maximum limit that was reasonable on probationary periods in Ireland. So it's this statutory instrument that gives us and gives Irish employers that information as to to what we have deemed to be reasonable. So it's all outlined in statutory instrument 686 of 2022, which is on the Irish statute book website if anyone is interested. Okay, so with this new legislation, how long can probationary periods now be in Ireland? There are two uh, durations that are outlined in that statutory instrument, one for private sector employers and one for public sector employers. So in the public sector, the maximum duration is 12 months. And in the private sector, in normal circumstances, um, the maximum duration is six months. And is there any difference for employees that might be on fixed term contracts? Yeah, there are. There's a few provisions to be aware of. So the first is that um, the length of any probationary period for a fixed term worker should be reasonable and should be proportionate depending on the duration of the contract. So for shorter fixed term work contracts, you know, that probationary period will need to be reduced to, you know, to meet that criteria of being proportionate. And then also it's important to note that if a fixed term contract is extended or a second fixed term contract given to that employee, the employer cannot then put a second probationary period in place with respect to that extension. 
Okay, so what are the scope, if any now, for extensions of probationary periods? So there are certain circumstances. So when we look at that um, six-month probationary period in the private sector, mm-hmm. um, the statutory instrument does state that on exceptional circumstances, you know, where it is in the interest of an employee, that that probation can be extended Um, but only up to a maximum duration of 12 months. So that's including the initial six month and the extension. Um, And also then just another point to bear in mind is that where there is an absence from work during the probationary period and where that absence relates to a period of statutory leave. So for example, if an employee were to commence a period of maternity leave or Mm -hmm. paternity leave or, you know, the new statutory sick leave, for those statutory absences, the probationary period can be suspended. Um, so essentially what that means is that the clock stops running on the probation. Um, and then, you know, when the employee returns to work, the balance of the probation will be, you know, will, will play out then after their return to work. But I suppose just one thing to be aware of there um, is just that it could have an implication just in terms of the Unfair Dismissals Act, because we know that in normal circumstances, an employee needs to have 12 months service to take a case under that particular piece of legislation. So obviously, look, the probation itself is suspended, but their continuous service isn't. So just just to bear that in mind. Mm, that's, a very good, that's a very good point, Ashley. And what about employers who might have had employees on probationary periods already at the time these regulations were implemented? I know I've got a few questions on this over the last few weeks. Yeah, so it is. It's something that, um, you know, in early 2023 has been a bit topical, but obviously, you know, as time goes on, will be less of an issue. So what we're referring to there, the reference date, which you mentioned as well, is the 16th of December 2022. Um, So what the statutory instrument says is that where an employer had in the private sector had an employee who had a probationary period that was longer than six months in duration and and where they had already done six months of their probation on the 16th of December 2022, well, then in those circumstances, it'll be deemed to have expired on the 1st of February this year, 2023. Or if there was a, you know, an earlier date within that probationary clause, um, then, then that date would apply. So whichever was the earlier, but no later than the 1st of February 2023. So in either case, it won't be in place today. Um, unless it was suspended or extended in the way we discussed earlier. Okay, that's interesting. So what are the potential penalties that employers should be aware of if they are found to be in breach of this new legislation? So the statutory instrument contains some amendments to the Terms of Employment Information Act, which a lot of people will already be familiar with. So that piece of legislation is heard at the, in the first instance by an adjudication officer of the Workplace Relations Commission. And on appeal, then it can go to the, the Labour Court. And under that particular piece of legislation, the maximum um, compensation that's awardable is up to four weeks pay. Um, however, it is important for employers to be aware of other pieces of legislation that might apply. So as we mentioned, the Unfair Dismissals Act, where um, the employee has more than a year's service. There are certain circumstances as well where the Employment Equality Acts might apply. But the main piece of legislation that we see cases come through on um, that relate to probationary dismissals is the Industrial Relations Act. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I know this is something that our colleagues Judy and Kieran mentioned in a previous episode, and I'd encourage listeners to listen back to that episode also. But it, as you just mentioned, the Industrial Relations Act provides an avenue for employees to allege that their probationary dismissal wasn't fair. The Industrial Relations Act is a, it's a voluntary piece of legislation, which means that 
Employers can opt out of engaging with complaints made under the Acts. However, I'm sure you'll agree that in, in our experience, where such a complaint is made, um, employers would usually engage. Yeah. And we have seen some very high value recommendations coming from complaints made under this piece of legislation where it is found that the nat- natural justice hasn't been afforded to employees. Now, the test under the Industrial Relations Act is what is fair and reasonable in all the circumstances? And that is somewhat different from other legislation. A good mm-hmm. case to reference um, in relation to complaints under the Industrial Relations Act is Hamilton Insurance DAC via Worker. Now, this is a complaint to the Labour Court, which concerned an employee who was dismissed two months into a three-month probation for performance issues. However, it was found that the employee was not aware during those two months that there were any performance issues. So what the Labour Court said in that case is, it is the view of the court that whenever a worker, including a worker who is on probation, is at risk of the loss of his or her job, it is incumbent on the employer to make the worker aware of the situation and of the reasons. In addition, where the issues arise from the conduct or performance of the worker, he or she should be afforded an opportunity to address the decision maker in his or her defence. Now, the Labour Court made a recommendation that the employer should pay €10,000 in compensation to the employee due to the fact that they did not put the worker on notice that there were any performance issues. Yeah, so so a significant enough amount, really. Um, And another case then that touches on um, I suppose the types of natural justice failings that might hinder an employer in demonstrating that they have acted fairly and reasonably in all the circumstances is a case that's called embankment plastics and a worker. And again, it's a, it's a labour court case. So in that case, an employee was um, their employment was terminated during their probationary period. Um, but what the labour court really looked at is the manner in which it was terminated. Um, so the court did acknowledge, I should say, actually in that case, that um, you know an employer won't be required to go through all of the steps in their disciplinary procedure. But what they did pick up on is that in this particular case, there was no letter that was that was given to the employee to outline any concerns that the employer had with them during their probationary period. They hadn't received a formal letter either that was you know, notifying them um, of the nature of the meeting at which they were ultimately dismissed. Um, so they couldn't demonstrate that they had sent the employee a letter um, making him aware of the nature of the meeting or that they might be sanctioned or dismissed as an outcome of that meeting. And basically that, you know, that they couldn't demonstrate that they had made him aware of that there was a risk of him failing his probation. And there was a bit of a conflict in the evidence at that particular case as to the level of of awareness that the employee would have had. Another thing that was, was missing there was the right to representation. And also the court um, was quite critical of the fact that there was no adjournment or no break in proceedings taken by the employee employer during that meeting to consider anything that the employee might have said in their own defence at the meeting. Um, and finally, then, there was no dismissal letter issued that would have outlined the reasons for the dismissal or given the right of, a, of appeal. So, you know, all in all, there were found to be some serious um, deficiencies there in the process. So those cases are a really good example of that. While we have this new legislation, we still can't forget about the broader importance of procedural fairness and the importance of making sure that the principles of natural justice are considered during all probationary processes. Yeah, that's very true. And look, each case is going to stand on its own um, and be judged on its own merit. And, you know, as I said, the court haven't stated that um, the disciplinary process in its entirety would need to apply 
But what they have stated is that, you know, the ab- in the absence of any element of what we would normally consider um, to be, you know, the steps um, associated with natural justice, that in this case, an egregious breach of fair procedures had occurred. So in that embankment plastics case, the court's non-binding recommendation was that the respondent would pay the claimant just under €33,500, which they outlined was in part to account for the amount of time he spent out of work, so the loss of earnings before he got a new job, and then also the difference between his new salary and the salary that he would have been earning at Embankment Plastics prior to, to being dismissed. So not dissimilar to how compensation is calculated in unfair dismissal cases? Very similar, actually, yeah, except obviously just um, it, it was non-binding in this circumstance. I know that there is some nuance here in how employers might address performance issues as opposed to conduct issues during probationary periods. And that was discussed also by our colleagues, Judy and Kieran in a previous episode. So just if, if listeners have time, I'd really encourage you to listen back to that episode also. Absolutely. So, Kevin, what would you say is, you know, the key takeaway from all of this? The key takeaway for me is that probationary periods need to be managed proactively by employers from the very beginning mm. of the of the employment relationship. We now know the circumstances under which probationary periods can be extended and there are significant limitations to when probationary periods can be extended. So for employers, especially those in the private sector, they need to manage any issues such as performance or conduct during that initial six month probationary period. Yeah, that's a good point. And look, employers should be aware, as you said, of this new legislation, but it's also just as important to bear in mind the existing pieces of legislation and the, um, as well as those maximum periods of probation. So, uh, as you said, in the context of the Industrial Relations Acts, it's important to make sure employees are on notice of any issues so that if they're not successful in passing their probation, it doesn't come as a surprise. Yeah, absolutely. And as we know, there are other pieces of legislation that don't have, that don't have a service requirement such as the Employment Equality Acts in general. So it's always a good idea when there are issues uh, during a probationary period that you would seek the advice of your IBEC executive. Absolutely. Well, that concludes this episode. Thank you for listening. For more content like this, be sure to explore the audio hub on ibec.ie and follow IBEC on Twitter at IBEC underscore IRL. <laughs>